Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The promise that we have that we can hold on to in this message today. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will provide a way of escape. The word of the Lord from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. You may be seated. So we're back into our Believe study. It's uh, this 30-week study of looking at how we can think, act, and become like Jesus. And now we're concentrating on the become-like part of our faith journey. And today's topic, the topic of self-control, is the one where we are all probably the one struggled the most with. Self-control. We all get it wrong. Jesus called out to the religious leaders of his day in the gospel lesson. He said, you hypocrites. You pretenders is basically what he's saying. And, And every single one of us, we can fall into that category because we don't always practice 100% of the time self-control. Self-control and, and temptation go hand in hand. And, and if we want to be more and more like Jesus, we need to figure out how we can defeat this idea of temptation. And so we're going to look at that for the next several minutes together. How do we overcome temptation? What is temptation all about? And why is it so dangerous? So I'm just going to ask uh, three questions in my message today, and, and here's the first one. It's basically, who's to blame for our temptation? When we lose self-control, who's to blame for our, our temptation? I think it goes without saying that it's not God. Scripture is pretty clear from James chapter 1, verse 13. He says, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. Now, we know that. We know that it's not God's fault, but we're often like Adam in the Genesis account. When Adam got called for the sin that he had committed, what did he do? He blamed the woman. Then he turned around and he blamed God. It was the woman you gave me, she made me do it. It was your fault because you gave, it to, gave her to me. And we do that same thing from time to time. If God would just take this temptation out of my life, I wouldn't have this problem anymore. I struggle with alcoholism, someone may say. If God just takes that struggle away from me, I'll be a better person. But it's not God's fault. Well, then then who else can we blame? Can we blame the devil? (laughs) Why not? Scripture, look at all these categories and descriptions of the character of the devil that we have from the Bible. All right, Matthew chapter 4 and 1 Thessalonians calls him the tempter. Ephesians chapter 6 calls him the schemer. John calls him the liar or the father of lies. Peter calls him a roaring lion, waiting and looking for someone to devour. He wants to destroy you, basically. 2 Timothy says Satan's the one that wants to lay a trap. So can we blame Satan? Absolutely. But here's one thing that we need to be mindful of. Satan's not 100% responsible for us losing self-control. The devil may present us with a choice or an alternate way or an alternate journey, spiritual journey, but he doesn't force us 
to do what's wrong. He doesn't hold a gun to our head and say that you have to do this. He's not twisting our arm back behind and creating pain, causing us to fall into sin. We shouldn't give him that much power over our lives. And that's something as Christians that it's good for us to be reminded of. And James reminds us this in Scripture as well. Each one of us, each person is tempted when he's lured or enticed by his own desire. It's our own desires that trip us up. It's our own desires that cause the world to look at us and, and call us a bunch of hypocrites or pretenders. Okay. It's our own desires. We're simply weak creatures. We, we have wandering minds that get us to go far afield of what God would have us do. And there's reminder after reminder in God's holy word of the danger of losing self-control and the danger of temptation. Paul cautions husbands and wives. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, listen, don't spend a lot of time apart from one another so that Satan doesn't tempt you because of your lack of self-control. In other words, spend time together. Don't be apart for long periods of time where suddenly you start to find your fulfillment in someone other than your spouse. That's basically what Paul's cautioning us in. Jesus also was one that experienced Satan coming after him. And, and we know that full well. And, and early in his ministry, he was out in the wilderness and tempted by the devil three times, and he beat him back. And yet the devil didn't give in right there. In Luke chapter 4, he says, it's written that the devil had ended every temptation. Then he departs from him and waits for an opportune time. When's that opportune time? When Jesus is weak. When he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying on our behalf, he's basically saying, Lord, if there's any other way, if I don't have to suffer and die, if, 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 if this cup may be taken from me, Satan's whispering in his ear at that point, yeah, walk away. These people aren't worth it. You don't want to do this. It's going to hurt. It's going to cause you to lose your life. Take this cup from me, but not your, my will, your will be done. That was the opportune time. The devil was looking to trip up Jesus to make it so he wouldn't go to the cross and see his mission through. And Jesus beat him back because Jesus knew that the devil was trying to play on his weaknesses. The devil plays on your weaknesses also. Think about when you give in to temptations, what's going on in your life? Are you hungry? And so you overindulge or you're emotional eating? Are you angry and so you're using words that you know that are going to cause harm for somebody? Are you lonely so you're surfing the internet and looking at pictures you shouldn't be looking at? Or are you compromising so that you can have a relationship? Are you tired? All of those times, hungry, angry, lazy, lonely, and tired, those are times when the devil comes after you. And the beautiful thing is if you take each of those letters, H-A-L-T, it spells halt. It's a warning sign. It's like a giant stop sign that God puts in front of you when there's a temptation there. He's saying halt. 
Are you angry? Are you hungry? Are you lonely or tired? Don't go there. And it's something that we can remind ourselves of. Halt. The devil really wants to trip us up. Now here's another question that I have. When is temptation wrong or is temptation wrong? As I was looking through some educational materials, the the word temptation simply just meant test. Now, wait a minute. Doesn't God test people? And we just heard that God doesn't tempt anyone. But You see, God does test, but his test leads us closer to him in a relationship with him. Temptation is a kind of test that means to destroy you. He wants to see you fail. In and of itself, it's not wrong. It's simply a test. It's what we do in that test that leads us into even greater harm. It's when we give birth, when that thought, when that word, when that action gives, is, is given birth and, 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 we, and we act on it. When it's a concrete wrongdoing, when we fully miss the mark that God has given before us. That's when we really get into harm's way. Temptation is a test that wants to destroy you. So the next time you have that flashy thing, that enticing item, don't go there. It wants to destroy you. Give you some real world examples, all right? Home improvement shows, who watches them? Yeah. You know what they're doing? Oh, look at your dream home. You've never owned a home in your life, but you want to spend $800,000 so that you can have all the bells and the whistles. You can have Bambi crawling around in your backyard. Granite countertops that clean themselves. Oh, that's your dream. Don't you want it? You have to have it. Go to your local hardware store. No, go to the big box stores and drop a bunch of money. Have your dream. Okay, so... The producers are probably not like me saying that about those, but there's a lot to be said about that. Ladies, I'm going to talk to the guys for just a little bit. Guys, in a, in a couple of weeks, it's going to be warmer. The weatherman said it was actually going to be July, but it'll be warmer. And when it's warmer, you know what ends up happening? People like to be outdoors, and they do exercise. And, and, and ladies like to put on jogging wear and run by. They're trying to stay fit. They're trying to stay healthy. And what do we do? Whoa. You know what that's done? It's, it's stealing from your relationship. Whether you're in one or not, it's stealing from a future relationship. It's stealing from the relationship that God desires you to have. It's taking away from your marriage vows. Don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't linger. Don't lock on. Don't say, boy, I really want that. I can't be happy unless I have something like that. Rather, you can start to have fun because you know that that's a warning sign. You know that there's somebody there. Okay, jogger, whoa, bounce my eyes. Don't go there. This is what you can do. When you're at an intersection, look across the way. When you, when you see somebody coming of a member of the opposite sex, ladies, you can do this too, right? Look into the window of the car across from you into the side of you. What's happening? Those are the ones that are going, whoa. 
It's a way of bouncing your eyes. You don't have to give in to that temptation. You don't have to lust or lock on or want that desire. And then watch what happens also as the guy's locking on, the wife's hitting him in the arm. Because she's being robbed. She's being compared to. She's wondering if she can fulfill, and it's not fair to her. It's destroying your relationship. Those are real world examples. But how do we overcome, how do we overcome temptation fully? That's the, the next question that I have for you. We cannot do it alone. We can't. If we think we can, we're only fooling ourselves. The beautiful thing is, is we don't have to do it alone. Jesus came. And, and here we have in, in Hebrews chapter 4, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. In every way, or by all points, he was tempted as we are, and yet he was without sin. Jesus is the answer. He's the one that allows us to be free of those temptations, to have self-control, to no longer be a pretender. We get to lean on him. And that's what the Easter hope is that we have. He conquered it. That thing that wants to destroy you, he wants to give you life. And he wants you to be able to hold on to that. And it's his victory that he gives us that he wants you to grasp onto. And we get to fight with that victory. And the devil's going to come at us because he's going to try and wrestle that away. But we have Christ, him crucified and risen, dwelling within us, giving us strength. We have the promises of the scriptures where we have disciples that were completely changed when their Holy Spirit washed over them. They went out into a whole world of persecution and witnessed to their faith. And many of them died because of it. We have our own friends and, and fellow Christians that we can say, hey man, I'm, I'm struggling in this area. you mind just talking with me for a little bit? It's called accountability. It's where you invite somebody to speak God's truth into your life. It's a tactic that God allows us to use. We have these promises from Scripture. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. The one I mentioned at the beginning of the message. God's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will provide a way of escape. That way of escape may be a small whisper saying, don't go there. That may have escape may be for one who's struggling with internet pornography where the computer crashes over and over before you can go to those sites. Don't go there. That way of escape may be a friend just reaching out to you asking, how are you doing? Knowing that you're not alone. We also have something else that's beautiful that, that God gives us in our Lutheran heritage. There's a hymn that we sing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and in that hymn is a word that's, a sentence that says this, one little word can fell him. You know what that word is? No. Two little letters. No. Devil, I don't want that. No. I want Christ. And that's the power that Jesus gives us. We can say no. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can fell the devil. No. And we can live self-controlled lives. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.
Now may the peace of God which surpasses our human understanding guard our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus. Amen.